Welcome to the Bayshore Podcast. As listeners each week, whether through iTunes or through the church app, you're part of our church family. We would love for you to share stories of how Bayshore is impacting your life by sending us an email at amen at bayshorecc.org. As always, you can find all kinds of information and content on our website, bayshorecc.org. There's also our church app, which you could download by going to bayshorecc.org slash app. So thanks again for joining us this week, and we hope that today's message is a blessing to you. We are in a series entitled The Great Adventure. My name is Jeremy. As I said, I'm one of the pastors here, Pastor Danny is actually ministering today in Texas, out speaking and doing the Lord's work down there in Texas. And so uh, I'm excited today because I believe that the word today is something that is going to change someone's life. I believe that strongly, not because of me or what I can do, but I believe that the word of God is powerful and this message is for you. So I, I pray that you'll uh, perk up and stay tuned in. I want to welcome all of our viewers online, whether it's Facebook Live or through the app replay or on the podcast via iTunes. You know, I noticed uh, we're on Spotify now. If that's your means of getting uh, your uh, media, uh, you can find our podcast on Spotify. So always trying to do more and more to uh, uh, expand our uh, our family online. And so welcome to everybody there. Last week we had over 700 listeners, which is amazing to think about around the world, across the country. 700 listeners last week. A uh, guy by the name of Bruce Hosser, wanted to give a shout out to him in uh, Sebring, Florida. And James Wentworth, shout out to you, buddy, in uh, Milton, Delaware. So we're grateful uh, for our online family as well as the family here. Best way to experience Bayshore, Pastor always says, is to be here. But if you can't be here, then you can always take us with you. And uh, so we're grateful for that. Been in this series, like I said, uh, uh, The Great Adventures. We've been walking through uh, this book of Acts over the past couple months. And I've been loving this series. I love when we take time to kind of break down the text and, the, and it helps you really understand the context of what's going on in the Bible. And so I've really enjoyed it. I think Pastor Danny has just been killing it uh, over the past couple weeks. Uh, last week in chapter 20, uh, we'd learned about Paul as he's taken his third and final missionary journey uh, around the Mediterranean. And uh, Paul's stopping at all these cities and all these churches and he He's empowering, he's teaching, he's uh, uh, fellowshipping with the believers. And, and I love how Pastor Danny last week, he closed with, that's what we believe we're here to do, to empower you, to teach you. And together, we're going to change the community that we live in. We're going to change our region. So uh, I love the mes- message last week. And as we pick up in Acts chapter uh, 21 today, uh, I'm just... Uh, I'm just pumped. But let me, let me uh, start with this. I've been on uh, vacation. Uh, we took two Sundays off, took a 10-day trip. My wife planned out this big uh, trip. And, um, you know, we started out, we went up to my mom's. Uh, they live in the Rising Sun, Maryland area. And so we were up there for uh, two days. And then we went south to uh, Spartansburg, uh, South Carolina. And uh, we're there uh, for a couple days visiting some friends and went to church with them. And then... We took uh, the third leg of our trip uh, was down to Atlanta to stay with my wife's cousin. Uh, And so um, while we were down there, uh, my wife planned out this day. Now, 
something you got to understand about me, like I am constantly thinking about and planning in my head this, this thing called ROI. Does anybody know what that is? ROI? Return on investment. That is constantly how I view everything in my life. And I'm thinking in my brain, every time I go and I'm doing something, I'm like, okay, is the investment that I'm making worth the return? Is not only the financial investment, but my time, my energy, and everything that needs to go into making this certain thing happen, is it worth my investment? And so that's constantly the way I view everything. And so on this trip, my wife planned this day at Whitewater. It's a, a huge water park in Atlanta. Anybody ever been to Atlanta, been to Whitewater? Come on. It's, it's this big staple in Atlanta, right? There's Six Flags, and then there's Whitewater. And then I grew up, uh, spent some years uh, in my teenage years in Atlanta, and so it was a big deal to go to Whitewater. And my wife is also from the South as well as her cousin. And so uh, they have these very fond memories of going to Whitewater when they were young. And so they wanted to recreate that for my kids and for my wife and her cousin to experience again. And so I'm really trying hard to understand the return on the investment of the Whitewater trip. Because how many of you have ever taken eight people uh, to an amusement park, right? Yeah, okay. It's not cheap, first of all, right? Secondly, we're in Atlanta, right? And so we have to get up early in the morning. We have to pack a lunch and pack all these um, you know, uh, coolers with food and drinks and, and whatnot because the Lord knows I'm not paying for uh, amusement park food, right? <laughs> And so we get all this stuff packed up, and then we got to cram eight people into our SUV. Then you got to fight Atlanta traffic to get over. How many, anybody driven in Atlanta? It's about as bad as D.C. Now you're not quite, but almost as bad as D.C. And so we're driving to get to Whitewater, and the traffic's terrible. And then you get there, and you're standing in line, and you're, you're you know, all these people who are, <laughs> like, I'm not a public swimmer. It's very uncomfortable for me. And then you're, I'm worried the whole time about the diseases that I'm probably contracting, <laughs> like being in the same water as all these people. And so the whole time I'm trying to talk myself into the return on this investment that I'm making. And you know what happened? At the end of the day, I remember we were all outside the water park, and we took this picture in front of the whitewater sign. And you know, I'm so glad, I'm so glad that I made the decision to press through, to get over my discomfort, to get over what I thought was difficult or hard and have that experience with my family. And honestly, there were so many other moments along that trip, and honestly, in the rest of my life, where there are these hard things that we come up against. There's these difficult situations or uncomfortable things that happen in our life. And it's, isn't it true that on the other side of those hard things often is something better, something uh, more, something greater? And so uh, I want to just kind of put this out there, that, that, that when we decide to do the things that are hard, that we often discover that the best moments in our life are on the other side. And so that's why I, I love sports. Uh, I encourage my kids to play sports. I haven't gotten one of them to, to get, fall in love with basketball, which was my sport. But I love sports for that reason, right? Because sports 
is all about testing your boundaries and testing your limits and like pushing yourself to go further and faster and harder. And so there's the discipline and the pain that comes from sports and training so that you can achieve a goal, right? You're working on boring fundamental stuff sometimes so that you can feel what it's like to win. And so it takes uh, you being able to, to push through pain and discomfort and do things that you don't necessarily want to do to be able to achieve an outcome that you want. I remember when I learned to play guitar, right, there was those moments where your fingertips would bleed and you would get, I'd get so mad because my hand just wouldn't do what I wanted it to do. And over time and going pushing through pain and sore fingers and sore hands, eventually now I can experience the joy of what it feels like to sit down and play a song on a guitar. And so sometimes it's about pushing through the hard things and pushing through the pain to achieve uh, an outcome uh, that we're looking for. Um, you know, it's funny, I think back over my life, and there's a lot of stupid things that, that I did that I regret, right? There's a lot of things that I um, did that I just regret. And, and so as much as there are those things that I did, there are things in my past that I regret because I did not do them. There are moments that I wish I would have taken that I didn't take because it was uncomfortable. It was, it was too challenging. There was things that I wish I would have said that I didn't because it was uncomfortable. And so those regrets, those times that I wish I had spoken up instead of staying silent, those are uh, what I want to get at today. And it's easy to kind of understand why uh, we might uh, have a hard time pushing past hard things, right, or choosing to step into hard things. And I think that a lot of our favorite stories uh, that we hear are about people who have decided to push through hard things, who have decided to make a choice to uh, uh, do something that's hard or difficult or challenging. And so uh, in my family, we're big Lord of the Rings fans, right? And in the Hobbit portion of the Lord of the Rings. Hey man, I got this, uh, Lord of the Ring fans. All right. Yeah. All right. So in the Hobbit portion of, uh, you guys remember the Hobbit? You remember, uh, I think I have a picture. No? Oh, here he is. Sorry. It's dark. Remember this movie? Great movies. You should watch them. Anyway, in this story at the beginning, uh, uh, Bilbo Baggins is faced with this choice. You know, Gandalf comes to him and there's this quest, there's this mission that needs to take place and Bilbo is wrestling with this decision to do that and there's this great line that I love that Gandalf says to Bilbo and he says when did your grandmother's doilies and dishes become so important when did your grandmother's doilies and dishes become so important and in that moment Bilbo realized that that he was going to take and go on this mission and suddenly the story changed from the story of them to the story of we and Bilbo was now part of that story. It changed. The pronoun changed that it was no longer the story of them and back, but it's the story of us and back. And so uh, uh, there's this great story of Steve Jobs, the founder of Apple, right, where he's recruiting John Scully away from the Pepsi company. And, and John Scully was this executive there. And, and so at some point in the exchange, there's this great line that, that Steve Jobs looks at John. And he goes, do you want to sell sugar water for the rest of your life? Or do you want to come with me 
and change the world. And so you think about this, what would have happened had John Scully not done what was difficult, not done what was uncomfortable, what was hard, and stepped away from what he knew and into something uh, uh, challenging and hard, what would have happened had he not done that and, and, and went over to help uh, uh, Steve Jobs found and create what is now the biggest, largest, most wealthy country or um, uh, um, company in the world. And so, you know, I was also thinking about this uh, and when we get to heaven, you know, there's, uh, we'll be able to talk to Jesus about walking on water. And you know that there's actually one other person uh, that we'll get to, to talk to about that, that Peter actually gets to say, instead of saying he walked on water, Peter gets to change the pronoun and say that we walked on water. Isn't that cool? Peter made the hard decision, the scary decision, the uncomfortable decision to step outside of a boat and walk on water. And now for eternity, he gets to say, we walked on water. And so as we lean into our text today, as we lean into Acts 21, uh, we find Paul who is facing a very hard decision and a very hard future. Now, we've been uh, looking in the past uh, two chapters, 19 and 20, has talked about Paul's final missionary journey. Let's throw that map up. And he's uh, moving around, uh, starts here in Antioch and moves around through all these cities. And this is 19 and 20. And as we come into chapter 21, he's on this last little bit here in Miletus. And he's got this last little portion to get back to Jerusalem. And I want to read you a text out of chapter 20 that kind of sets this whole thing up. In chapter 20, verse 22, it says, Paul speaking here, says, And now compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. So here Paul is traveling all over that region. And it says that in every city they're telling him, hey man, hard things are coming. Like you're going you're gonna to be in prison. They're going to beat you. They might kill you. You can't go to Jerusalem. And yet Paul knows that he needs to go to Jerusalem. And he's faced with this super challenging, hard decision on what he is supposed to do. And so I want to jump from there into our text today. And we're going to read a big portion of this, so stick with me. I believe that this story, is, it's so cinematic to me. Like I, It feels like a movie when I read it. So I want us to get ourselves into this story. So I'm going to read through this and follow along with me in Acts 21 today. And after we torn we had torn ourselves away from them. We put out to sea and sailed straight to Kos. The next day we went to Rhodes and from there to Patera. We found a ship crossing over to Phoenicia, went on aboard and set sail. After sighting Cyprus, passing to the south of it, we sailed to Syria. Then we landed in Tyre where our ship was to unload its cargo. We sought out the disciples there and stayed with them seven days. Through the Spirit, they urged Paul... They urged Paul not to go to Jerusalem. When it was time to leave, we left and continued on our way. All of them, including wives and children, accompanied us out of the city. And there on the beach, we knelt and prayed. And after saying goodbye to each other, we went aboard the ship 
and they returned home. We continued our voyage to Tyre and then landed in Ptolemais, where we greeted the brothers and sisters and stayed with them for one day. Leaving the next day, we reached Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip the Evangelist, one of the seven. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. After we had been there for a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it, and said, The Holy Spirit says, listen to this, In this way, the Jewish leader in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt, Paul, will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul. They pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. And then Paul answered, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am not only ready to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And when he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, the Lord's will be done. And so after this, we started on our way to Jerusalem. Some of the disciples from Caesarea accompanied us and brought us to the home of Manasseh, where we were to stay. He was a man from Cyprus and one of the early disciples. Verse 17, as Paul arrives in Jerusalem. When we arrived at Jerusalem, the brothers and sisters received us warmly. The next day, Paul and the rest of us went to see James, who's the leader of the church, Jesus' brother, and all the elders were present. And Paul greeted them and reported in detail what God had done among Gentiles through his ministry. And when they heard this, they praised God, which is the right response. We're going to skip a couple verses down to 27. Here's where it gets good or bad. (laughs) When the seven days were nearly over, some of the Jews from the province of Asia saw Paul at the temple. They stirred up the whole crowd and seized him, shouting, Fellow Israelites, help us. This is the man who teaches everyone everywhere against our people and our law and this place. And besides, he has brought Greeks into the temple and defiled this holy place. Let's skip to 30. Uh, The whole city was aroused, and the people came running from all directions, seizing Paul. They dragged him from the temple. Immediately, the gates of the temple were shut. And while they were trying to kill him... News reached the commander of the Roman troops, and the whole city of Jerusalem was in an uproar. He at once took some officers and soldiers and ran down to the crowd. When the rioters saw the commander and his soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. The commander came up and arrested him and ordered him to be bound with two chains. Then he asked who he was and what he had done. Some in the crowd shouted one thing and some another. And since the commander could not get out the truth because of the uproar, he ordered Paul be taken into the barracks. When Paul reached the steps, listen to this, the violence of the mob was so great that he had to be carried by the soldiers. The crowd followed and kept shouting, get rid of him. And as the soldiers were about to take Paul into the barracks, Paul asked the commander, may I say something to you? And this shocked the commander because Paul spoke in Greek, right? And he says, do you speak Greek? Aren't you the Egyptian who started the revolt and led 4,000 terrorists out into the wilderness wilderness some time ago? And Paul answered, I am a a Jew from Tarsus of Cilicia, a region, a citizen of no ordinary city, meaning Rome. And the guard knew right away what that meant. And this will be important later. Please let me speak to the people, Paul said. 
And after receiving the commander's permission, Paul stood on the steps and motioned to the crowd. And when they were all silent, he said to them in Aramaic, and that's what we call a cliffhanger. You have to come back next week to find out what Paul says. (laughs) You don't want to miss next week. It gets so good. But what I want to spend a little bit of time today is talking about in verse 21 is this idea of how do we do hard things? Like Paul knew this hard time was coming. He knew what was ahead of him, and yet he decided to push through and do the hard things. And so this morning, I want to spend just a little bit of time talking about why we don't do hard things. And number one, if you're taking notes this morning, the reason I believe we don't do hard things is we listen for what's easy instead of what's true. We listen for what's easy and not what's true. Uh, how many of you here would, would raise your hand and say you'd like to hear from God? Like you'd like God to speak to you and help direct you. If you're not raising your hand, you need to raise your hand because who wouldn't want God to tell them what to do? He knows all things, right? And so uh, I want the guy who knows all things to be telling me what to do. And, and so, uh, you know, I believe that God is, is many times, he's speaking to us and we don't hear him often because we're looking for the easy fix. We're looking for the easy thing. And listen, there's plenty of voices in uh, our world, in our society, and everything around us that is helping push us towards what's convenient, what's easy. We are the, there's an app for that generation, right? Like there's an app for that that makes your life easier. I have a a smart home system that I don't have to get up and do anything anymore. I just get to tell it what to do and it does it, right? We want what's easy. And we hear all these things. We want the easy program. We want the easy uh, uh, food, the magic food. We want the magic pill. We want what's easy and that's constantly coming at us. There's no shortage of voices pushing us to what's easy. And I would suggest to, to all of us today that, that, that God is speaking to us more than we think. And it comes to us in the form of a nudging or an urging or a, a pushing in our spirit and in our heart. But sometimes we have this ability to kind of disregard it or explain it away. Right? There's this, this interesting story in uh, John tap, chapter 12 where literally God speaks Like the heavens open and the voice of God rings out. And it says, I have glorified my name and I will glorify it again. And there were people there who heard it and it was amazing. But there was a a lot of people who were there, it says, that, that kind of looked around and went, huh. Did you hear that? This is weird, strange weather we're having. Did you did you hear that thunder? Huh. It it almost sounded like a voice. And so somehow these people were that close to hearing the word of God, the the literal voice of God. They were that close, and yet they were able to explain it away. And in this passage, Paul has heard the voice of God. And he's heard that he's not just wanting him to do what's easy, but he wants him to do what's true. And he is going to go to Jerusalem because he heard from God. So sub-point to this is, is, is also that I must learn to hear God's voice. God's voice. Because there were a lot of voices that were talking to Paul all along his journey. All along his journey. And, and, and we need to be able to hear 
God's voice. Now, I want to pause right here for just a second because uh, I get, I personally get pretty nervous when I hear that someone says, like, God told me to do this. And maybe I've just seen it where I, a lot of damage and a lot of harm is done because someone said, God told me to do this. Uh, but I believe that God does speak to us, and he primarily speaks to us through his word. God can use through his spirit, uh, spiritual leaders and, and pastors in our lives and other spiritual people in our life to speak to us. But I also believe that there's a living, active God who can move on our hearts, that he can speak to us. And oftentimes, for me, that is in an urging or a pushing in my spirit, a nudging of God leading me to do something. And so Paul here has heard God's voice in the past. This is not his first rodeo. This is his third missionary journey. He's been all over the region preaching the word and allowing God to speak and lead him. And so it's not his first rodeo. He knows the voice of God. As we look back at that verse in chapter 20 where Paul says, I am now compelled by the Spirit. I am going to Jerusalem. And it says, I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns, warns me of prison and hardships that are facing me. Paul heard God's voice. And he still moved towards this very hard and challenging thing that is in his future. Not just wanting to hear what was easy. Not choosing what was easy. But choosing the path uh, that was hard. Because he was listening to the voice of the Lord. You know, I don't know uh, if other uh, husbands are afflicted by this at all, but I seem to have this condition where um, I struggle sometimes uh, hearing my wife even when she's sitting right next to me. Anybody else? Maybe the women should answer this question. You know, listen, here's the deal. My hearing is perfectly fine. I don't have any issues with my hearing. What I have is a filter problem sometimes and so if I'm trying to do more than one thing at a time which is challenging for men uh, I have a hard time hearing my wife even when she's sitting right next to me and oftentimes she'll get done with a a, a comment or, or a question and I'll go uh, can you say that again because I, I, mean, I knew she was talking I just I didn't I didn't listen and so oftentimes it's not so much that we need to listen as it is that we need to uh, filter what we're listening to. My hearing's fine, but I need to, to filter better. And, and the, the deal is, is we live in a world where we are constantly bombarded with messages on everything uh, around us about living a more comfortable life, living a, a safer, easier life. And we need to learn to discern and filter out the right messages. We need to learn to, to filter and discern. And so the second sub-point is I must discern what is faith-filled advice and what is faithless advice. And so let me give all of you permission this morning. This is permission from Jeremy, and you can tell people this, but you do not have to take everybody's advice. You don't. You don't have to take everybody's advice even Christian people's advice you don't have to take many people in your life are well-intentioned and and want what's best for you and they will give you advice that doesn't mean it's the advice that you should take 
And so we need to learn to discern what we're hearing. And so did you know uh, that, that uh, Jesus didn't take everybody's advice? Do you remember that story? Jesus is, is talking with his disciples and he's telling them about the, the looming crucifixion that's ahead of him and the torture. And, and all of a sudden, Peter, it's almost laughable, uh, uh, Peter takes Jesus aside, it says. He draws him away. And can you just imagine that, right? Like, like you walking up to Jesus like, hey, buddy, I, I need to talk to you over here. Can we, come on, let me, let me shoot you straight here. And so Peter takes Jesus aside and he looks at Jesus and he says, surely not you, Lord. You don't, that's not you. Don't listen to that. We're not going to accept that. And what does Jesus say? He looks at him and goes, get behind me, Satan. And so Jesus knew this well-intentioned, probably advice from Peter and message from Peter. Jesus knew that that wasn't what was needed. That wasn't what was true. It might have been easier, might have been easier, but it was not true. And so we need people in our life that are going to uh, speak to us, not just what's true. And we need to be able to discern what they're saying. And, and, and we need to have not just a, a focus on the temporary or the now or our comfort now, but we need to be thinking in terms of eternity and eternal things. And we need to be able to discern uh, uh, what people are saying. There's this uh, great story I love in uh, um, uh, church history where this missionary named John G. Patton, uh, he was getting ready to launch out into, I think it's the late 1800s, getting ready to launch out into this uh, un, uh, really uh, civilized place called New Hebrides. And, and so they, the church where he was was getting ready to uh, send him off and they had this service. And at the end of the service, this older guy came up to John and he was like, John, Listen, man, like the cannibals, the cannibals, uh, uh, they're going to eat you. Like the cannibals will eat you. And he was just really fired up about it and scared for John about it. And I love uh, John Patton's response. Listen to this. He looks at this guy and he goes, Mr. Dixon, he said, you are old and advanced in years. And soon you will die and be laid in the ground where your body will be eaten by worms. And if I... Through my life, if I can do something to serve the Lord Jesus with my life, whether I'm eaten by worms or cannibals, it doesn't matter. It makes no difference to me. I love that. And I want people in my life like that that are going to look at me and go, Jeremy, I know it's hard, but there's something better on the other side. And you just need to get through it. And, and like, I want people in my life who are going to say, Jeremy, it doesn't matter uh, the cost, right? Whether it's airplane death, it's car accident, whether it's cannibals or worms or some rare disease man it's worth it it's worth it I want people like that in my life even if it isn't easy I want it to be true so I need friends like that so first thing reason why we don't do the hard thing sometimes is because we're listening for what is easy and not always what is true the second thing is we forget that God is active in our world God is active in our world. You know, uh, many surveys have been done over the past few years where they poll people. And did you know that 90% of Americans say that they would attend church if they were just asked? 90% of people say that if you just ask them, they will attend church. It blows my mind. 90% of the people that live in your communities, 90% of the people that you work with would come to church if you simply asked them. Did you know that uh, uh, last year, uh, Americans spent more on Halloween costumes for their pets 
than the U.S. spent on evangelizing Muslim and Asian cultures. And the truth of the matter is, if you look at studies, th- studies there are more, the, the, the uh, religion that has the most conversions at this time is the Muslim community. And yet, we're spending more on our pets' costumes than we are about evangelizing those cultures. And so it begs the question for me, like, who is resistant to the gospel? God is working in the people in our communities and in our our, our neighborhoods and at work. God is working in other cultures that don't know Jesus. And who is resistant? Is it them or is it maybe us? Or maybe we are resistant because we don't want to do anything difficult. Or we don't want to be discomforted. Or we don't want to feel weird. Or we don't want to invest time and energy into that. Lost my place. God is active and moving throughout the world. And so in this passage at the end uh, of the chapter, um, you know, Paul, as he's being drugged out of the temple, uh, could use uh, this uh, privilege that he has. You know, um, we as Americans, we experience a privilege uh, unlike anywhere else in the world. It doesn't matter what color you are, it doesn't matter what socio, uh, uh, you know, economic background that you come from. If you live in the U.S., you experience a privilege that, that most people in the world can never even comprehend. And so th- the reason I think we sometimes forget that God is moving and, and the reason we, we don't often uh, think about what God is doing in the world is because we know that it might cost us some privilege. It might cost us uh, some of our comforts that we have. And so... In, as Paul is being drugged out of the temple, and people come and lay hold of Paul. You know, Paul, uh, what he said at the end there is he's a Roman citizen. Do you know it's unlawful for anybody to imprison, to uh, bind, or to beat a Roman citizen? Like, those people would have been in serious trouble. Back in Acts chapter 16, as a matter of fact, Paul knows this. Uh, and uh, Paul, in Acts chapter 16, spent the night in jail. And in the morning, the guards and everybody were freaking out because they, did, they learned that Paul was a Roman. He was a Roman citizen, and they knew that they would be in trouble, so they instantly let him go after putting him in jail. And so Paul knows this. At the end of this chapter, they're dragging him out of the temple, and Paul knows that he has this Roman card that he could play at any time. How many of you, as soon as they put hands on you, would have played the Roman card? That's when I would have played it. And then it says that they were trying to kill him, which in my mind sounds way too close to being actually killed. Would you have played the card then? Like, yeah, absolutely. And then it goes on to say that when they stopped beating him, and I would have thought that you would have played a card to not get beating. Don't even start beating, right? But Paul doesn't do this. Why? Because Paul laid down his privilege so that he could accomplish what he wanted to accomplish. And in the right moment, at the right time, if he would have played it too early, he would have missed the opportunity. He would have missed why he was there. And so at the right moment, Paul used his privilege to speak to the Roman guard so that he could turn around and address that crowd. It's powerful, powerful. Paul used his privilege 
in that moment. And so point number three, if you're taking notes this morning, is, is this reasons we don't do hard things is we use our privileges to save ourselves and not others. I'll say it another way, and this, uh, it's just a hard statement, but we use our privileges to save ourselves from temporary discomforts instead of saving others from eternal hell. Philippians chapter 2 says this, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, listen to this, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even a death on a cross. Jesus had all the privilege, the highest status there is. Seated in heavenly places, master of the universe, the highest status. And yet he lays down his rights to come to earth for you. He lays it down. And this is how Christians are supposed to think. This is how we're supposed to act in the world. That, that, that we would lay down our rights for others. You know, I have family members who are, have been missionaries uh, to China. And in China, in certain areas, if, if you're known as a Christian, you die. And so they've laid down their rights to go and to minister to people who need Jesus, even though they could die and they've laid down their rights. There are people uh, who, are, who are training right now that I know that are getting ready to go to India to be missionaries. And just by going to India, the, the air there is poison. It's poison and it's going to take years off of their life by going there. But it doesn't matter to them. They're laying down their rights. They're laying down their comforts. They're laying down their privilege to go be part of a story that's bigger than they are. And not all of us are called to go to China. Not all of us are called to go to India. That's not what I'm talking about. But what is God calling you to do today? What is he calling you to do that's hard? What is he calling you to do that you need to lay down your rights to and you need to think about others? Maybe that you're uncomfortable. You know what scares me the most? Me personally, what scares me is that I would be right on the brink of, uh, of God's story, of, of some amazing story that God has for my life. I'd be right on the edge. I'd be so close to like experiencing some amazing thing that God has and that I would miss it because I was uncomfortable or that I was scared or that there was too much pain to get over or that I wasn't willing to give up my privilege. I never would experience what God called me into. And so this morning, the final point I hope you write down is that we often don't do hard things because we resist change and miss our part in the story. The book of Acts we've been reading through for a couple months and studying, and um, the writer Luke, 
uh, one of the apostles, the Dr. Luke, he's the historian here, and he's been writing the book of Acts. And all throughout uh, uh, the first 20 chapters, we see Luke telling about what Jesus did in his life and what he did in his life, right? What Jesus did. And he's talking about what the disciples have done and, 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 and the people that uh, they have healed. And he talks about what Barnabas has done. And he talks about how Stephen laid down his life. And he talked about how Paul reached out to the Gentiles and all the great things that Paul was doing. And all of a sudden, the first 20 chapters is Luke talking about what they did. And all of a sudden, in 21, the pronoun changes. And suddenly you hear Luke saying, we got on the boat. We went to Jerusalem. The pronoun changed. It's no longer what they are doing. Story changing. It's now what we are doing. And in that moment, whatever it was between chapters 20 and 21 that happened, Luke did not miss the opportunity to step into something that was hard, something that was uncomfortable and challenging to experience a story greater than he could ever imagine. One of the greatest stories in the Bible, I think, of all time. And it's so impactful for Luke. I love this. In uh, Paul's final letter to the churches, which is 2 Timothy, in Paul's final letter that he sends out, right before he's about to die, here's what he says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11. He says, only Luke is with me. Whatever happened in chapter 21, and Luke finally made that decision to step into that story and go past what was hard and difficult and uncomfortable, it lasted for the rest of Paul's life, and, and, and Luke was in that story and remained until Paul died. I love that. And for today, I wish I could tell each and every one of you the hard things that you're facing or the hard uh, challenges and choices that you need to make in your life. I wish I could show you the rest of the story. I wish I could turn the page with you and show you what's next if you can move past your discomfort and move past and beyond uh, your privilege and all of those things. I wish I could show that to you, uh, but, but I can't. I can't. And you know, I think that there's, there's two types of people this morning at Bayshore. There's, there's two. There are uh, um, uh, the people who talk about Bayshore and they talk about what they do. And they talk about uh, the great things that Bayshore do. And they come in here, even maybe you're sitting in the chair today, and you talk about the things that they are doing and, and it's good. And then there's the second group of people. And when they talk about Bayshore, they talk about here's the great things that we are doing. And the pronoun has changed. It went from what they are doing to what we are doing. The pronoun has changed. And today as I close, I want to, to, to ask you, what is the pronoun that you use when you talk about Bayshore Community Church? When you talk about ministry and what Jesus is doing? What is the pronoun that you are doing? What hard thing is God asking you to do? What hard thing do you need to say yes to today so that you can step into the story that God wants for you? Maybe, maybe it's giving this morning. That's a touchy subject, but maybe you're struggling with giving regularly at church, right? But God wants you to make that hard decision. Because listen, it's hard to let go of our money. 
It's challenging. It's not comfortable to have less money. But God wants to get you beyond that. He wants to get you beyond what it means to just give in an offering plate. He wants you to understand uh, what it means to be generous and, and how to invest into something. He wants to get you into a story that's greater than you can imagine. Maybe the hard thing that you need to do, that you need to say yes to do, is that you become a regular giver. Maybe you need to join a small group. You need to get over the challenges that you have with being close or vulnerable or making friends with people and and open up your life to walk out Christianity with others and be able to lean on them when you need help and be able to be a support to those who help you. Maybe that's the hard thing that you need to get over this morning and do. You know, maybe you need to uh, uh, join a a serve team here on Sunday so that you go from saying, man, they put on a, a great Sunday service to saying we put on a great Sunday service whether that's uh, on the stage, whether you're out in the parking lot shaking hands, you go from saying they to we. Maybe that's the hard thing, the uncomfortable thing. You need to get out of your comfort zone and do uh, uh, this morning. Um, Maybe you need to go on a missions trip. We're already planning next year's trip. Maybe you need to challenge yourself to get outside of, of, of this privileged U.S. and see what it's like in the rest of the world. Maybe uh, you need to invite your neighbors to church. Maybe you need to invite your coworker to church. What hard thing is God asking you to do? Maybe you need to finally sign up for that seminary class. Maybe you need to enroll in that Bible college because God's calling you into a story that's bigger. But it's hard. There's pain. There's sacrifice. But I wish I could turn the page with you. I wish I could show you the story. That God has. And so my belief this morning is that if we'll learn to listen to the voice of God, to filter out all the other voices, and that's hard, but if we'll learn, if we'll work to to hear God's voice, even the hard things that God is leading us to, he's got a greater story past it. Let's pray this morning. Lord, I thank you so much. Uh, for your word, this challenging word, Lord. God, I ask that you'd hide it in our hearts, Lord, that you would remind us this week. Uh, God, when things get tough, when things get challenging, when we feel you're calling us to do something uh, beyond what we think we can do, Lord, that you'll, you'll remind us of Paul's amazing courage. And God, let us take hope in the story that you have for us. And so, Lord, as we go this week, uh, uh, just remind us of it. And... Um, We thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name.